This is the Lowdown with Brave Mama, a community to see you, hear you, and support you on your journey living with pelvic organ prolapse. Hi there, it is Steph Thompson, your host here, and this week on the show, we're going to be discussing everything pelvic health and more. I have invited Dr. Sarah Woodward from Seattle, Washington, who is a pelvic floor physiotherapist, among many other things. But her practice is called Luminous Physiotherapy. And by the end of this conversation, you are going to work out why she has that name. Sarah brings to this conversation an additional layer of how our prolapse, our mind, our head, our heart are all connected. In her practice, Sarah really focuses on women as a whole and looking at that holistic health. I know by the end of this episode, you are going to get so much value especially if you were someone listening or watching right now who has yet seen a women's health physiotherapist or you are currently waiting for your appointment. Listen all the way to the end. And if you find this episode helpful, we ask you to head over to iTunes and look for the Lowdown with Brave Mama podcast. You'll see that beautiful artwork there and leave a review. It's really important that we keep sharing this message with the women that we love and we know so they no longer have to feel alone and isolated like we have. So let's get into today's episode with Dr. Sarah. Hello, Sarah. I am so grateful that you are joining us and this Brave Mama community because I know today you're going to be bringing us so much value. You work with women with prolapse in this physiotherapy space. When someone comes to you and they may not have a diagnosis, but they might have a feeling something's going on, what's kind of the first thing that you do to support them in that moment in time? Like I assess them and I see that, oh, there is some prolapse happening. How do I handle that situation? It's a delicate balance. I think historically, um, medicine has taught people to be not playing it down, but like, I'm just not going to say anything. They're probably not going to notice. And what I have come to learn over my many years of doing this is that people know what's happening inside their bodies. They feel it. And so for me to be like, I think you're okay, is really dismissing their experience and like not trusting them with the truth about their body, I think is is actually dangerous for us to do as a medical profession. So what I find is that my patients actually do really well if I say like, oh, well, I see a little bit of descent of whatever wall is kind of coming towards me that might be explaining some of the symptoms that you're feeling. Um, and then let me tell you a little bit about it. This is what we know. This is how it might impact your exercise or recreational activities. This is my be how it impacts your rehabilitation. Um, and these are some options for support. I love that. I love that honesty. I feel like it's much needed. It's not. Do you feel that it's common practice the way that you do it? Or is it more common to downplay it, like you said, which I want to ask you another question in a minute about? I think some of it is, especially in this, in the United States where I practice, Physical therapists aren't necessarily given the permission to diagnose or stage a prolapse. It's becoming 
more accepted and like that physical therapist can now in some states fit for pessary. Um, but until a few years ago, that was not, not our lane as, as doctors might say, like that's their job. So I think there was a lot of fear around, um, diagnosing or saying that that is something that you do have. And so I think part of it professionally was just like, oh, we don't want to say something that's wrong. Um, but if we're seeing it, we're seeing like, this is what we are skilled in. I, I am an expert in muscle and tissue and joints. Like I can pretty much trust my judgment. And when the patient is collaborating and corroborating my findings with their lived experience, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it really does. I love that, that that's definitely moving in that direction. Luckily here in Australia, uh, women's pelvic floor physiotherapists, which is specialists, uh, as opposed to a generalist, generalist physio, they really are able to do that and fit pessaries and do all of those things here, which is great if they've also got the experience. I just want to jump back, if you don't mind, just to the very beginning, because an experience I had with a women's pelvic floor specialist did that exact thing. Even her level of expertise, her level of knowledge, she's, um, I, I want to say not vocal, but she's advocating for women with prolapse all the time in the social media spaces. However, I definitely felt that she downplayed when she saw me because she knew my background and she said, I think she had in her mind, like, I can yeah. fix you. Just come in for a pessary fitting. We haven't tried this particular type. And then when I was there, it was a bit like, oh, it's not so bad. So is that taught to you when you are going through training to do that? Like, where does that come from? I don't think that was ever taught. That, I, I think that is actually not taught, right? We do not want to downplay the experiences of our patient. I think our society and our culture teaches us that women have these hysterical complaints and women get all worked up over really small things. So if we entrust them with the truth about their bodies, not just about prolapse, but about, you know, where your anatomy exists, that they can't be trusted with that information. So I think more than like medical training, because we're very much taught to like, oh, this is what we're seeing and this is how this is graded and this is what this would be diagnosed with. I think it's more our society and our culture that even us as women, we have to fight the patriarchy, right? Like we, we have these beliefs instilled in us too that like, oh, maybe I can't be trusted with what my body is feeling right now, even though I'm pretty sure my body is feeling that. If you tell me I'm not feeling that, maybe I should believe you. Yeah. Or it's, it's normal. It's a normal part of being a female. It's, it's that the pain that's associated with menstruation. It's just normal. Right. It's just written off. That's just the price of being a person with reproductive organs, right? And that's wrong right? That's very wrong. It's not normal to feel pressure or pain in the perennial area after having a baby. It's not normal to have incontinence or dribbling. It's not normal to have fecal urgency. And these are all things that are very common 
that we don't talk about as people and oftentimes feel a lot of shame about. So we keep it a secret. I have a lot of patients with a lot of issues and oftentimes their issues will come out progressively. Like they will, you know, come to me for one issue. And as we start to address that issue and that gets better, they're like, and I have this, you know, and there's just more because it's, there's so much fear, especially fecal incontinence. We all know that it happens. We all know, especially with episiotomies, it occurs. And that is never the first thing that people seek me out for. You know, it's more like pain with sex or a little bit of leaking with exercise. It's not that. It's so interestingly, I remember the first time I had fecal incontinence and I, I wrote about it in the book because I thought if, if, you, if you're going to say, if you're going to say it, then say it, say all of it oh, beautiful. to a certain point. It took a really long time for me to even tell my husband that that had happened. However, when I had phoned my healthcare provider to say, what is this? Like, I'm going through this through prolapse, but what is this bonus? You know, what's happening now? Yeah. And I remember him saying to me, well, is it um, like loose, like diarrhea, or was it a formed stool? And then when I was explaining, he's like, oh, that's okay. It, it, it's not so much fecal incontinence that it wasn't as bad as if it was liquid leakage because it wasn't. And I was like, so why is it still okay? <laughs> no matter what form it is, why do I still feel like I'm so embarrassed that I just pooed myself? I, it didn't take away the shame. It, it actually probably added the layer on to say, well, you're not as bad as such and such down the road who has this and has this. And so therefore, we say nothing, we do nothing, and then we don't tell people like our healthcare providers, like our physiotherapists, because it's normal or it's not that bad. Right. Which is wrong. Yes. And I love that I hope that whoever's listening to this conversation right now hears my voice and hears your professional expert opinion to know that's not okay. It's not normal. Don't let anyone tell you that it's not as bad as someone else. But what I would like to ask you, Sarah, is if that is them, what can they actually do about that? Yeah. So first, thank you for sharing your experience. I think that is so valuable. And I think it's something that a lot of women are experiencing, especially women who are listening to this podcast. And I hope that they all feel inspired to talk to their doctors about their issues. I, I do think that there are a lot yeah. of specialist physicians out there now. And sometimes when those specialists say, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with you, what they really mean is I can't help you with that. And Sometimes they don't have the, the referral or the network to know who to point you towards. They just know, I don't help that, right? Yeah, oh, it's out of my depth. Right. You've kind of just lifted the lid on what we've probably, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. sorry, go ahead. And, and it's not, that's still not okay, right? Like uh, my practice over the past, so I've been practicing in pelvic health since 2009. And my okay. practice has evolved, our research has evolved, and our advocacy has evolved. And I actually think that 
your podcast is a big part of that, of giving voice to people who have these issues and showing like how important it is to half the population of the world that we've just been ignoring. So I would love all of those people, depending on what country you're in and how you need to get access to find Mm -hmm. a pelvic health physical therapist because they can teach you how to use your muscle. You actually have muscles in your pelvic floor. That's what the pelvic floor is, is a group of muscles and fascia and ligaments and connective tissue that supports your organs and holds them up. But there's also openings that these muscles go around that allow for the passage of urine or allow for the passage of stool. And these openings can also close to prevent the passing of these tissues. And sometimes there are complicating factors, like maybe there was a scar that didn't heal or just a tear. And it, or sometimes people even have history of fissures, like anal fissure. So you have anal fissure and then, and then you have a baby and then you have an episiotomy. So now you've got scars on two sides of your anus. So maybe that anus used to close really well, but because scar tissue doesn't have the same extensibility or contractility as muscle, it doesn't move. So that scar needs to be made soft so that you can actually close the anus completely. So it's not stuck where those scars live. There's also other things that play into it too, right? Like the way we move, the way we are pressure control. And then there is diet, right? If you have diarrhea, it's very hard to um, keep in liquid. Yeah, definitely. I was just processing what you were saying because I had all of those three things. The fissures were from chemotherapy when, you know, having a lot of issues going on in the body. And then I was thinking, well, and obviously with the episiotomy and things like that, there's still so many, even if it's not fecal runny incontinence for me all the time, there is an element of not being able to completely empty the bowel at once, even if you sit on the toilet for a long period of time. I'm so grateful that we have social media for this aspect in terms of women being able to share how to, there's literally a clip that says how to have the best pill of your life. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, Bernadette Lack. And I love everything that she talks about in terms of, you know, traditionally there was a moo poo if you were constipated but now she's got this ultra method that works perfectly I teach it to my kids because you know when they like you said the diet thing they've had too much junk food and they get stuck teaching them not to have that downward pressure to try and force things out those type of things um you did mention just there that you need to soften those scars how does someone do that yeah Mostly by touching them. That's how scars like pressure. Um, So giving scar pressure can help it to become softer. If the scar is really painful, then we don't want to push on it like in a in a aggressive manner, right? Same for like a C-section scar or uh, another scar on your body. Scars that are still growing are usually like pink or red or a different color than normal. And as they mature, they become either like lighter and flatter than the other parts of your body. 
So scars can continue to grow for a long time. When we're thinking about scars in the perennial area, I would definitely recommend like connecting with someone to show you specifically how to move that scar, especially working around the rectum. Um, There's nothing wrong with touching your rectum, but there is issues if you touch your rectum and then touch the vaginal area. You can get UTIs and things like that or, or yeast infections or bacterial vaginosis if we get stool into that area. So there are some tips and techniques for making sure that that particular scar massage is performed appropriately and safely and in a way that doesn't hurt your body or harm your body. People who have babies, this is just my general judgment, is that they are overachievers. They want to do everything right. They want to take care of their kids. They want to be the best. They want to bounce back. They want to be engaged and alive. And so sometimes when you give them a a thing like, oh, go do this, they do it 150%, right? And so sometimes it's just like, You need permission to go slow and to take your time and to allow your body to heal because when you're injured, you know, your body needs rest. It's such an ironic thing or iconic thing that we say we need to have rest and then we have this tiny little human to care for with very minimal support. And I think the complexity in that also is because we have that level of shame, taboo, and embarrassment to be able to seek help from someone to say, I've got this injury. I need to rest. I want to be there as the mom to do the things with baby, but can you do all of the other external things that I'm having trouble with? I I can say that now after seven years, just to you. Yeah. Trying to say that to the people who love you most in your family, it's really, really hard. And I think even the women in our community who are beyond the newborn phase and beyond the young child phase, they, they had their children 20, 30 years ago. They probably still need help and they probably still need rest. But like you said, that societal expectation is, well, but you don't have babies anymore. You can do it. You've been Just doing get on it. with it. Right. I hope that this type of messaging really sinks in to say, no, you actually still matter. Your pelvic floor and all of of you still matter to be able to seek support, get support and feel better and have that, even though your physical symptoms for prolapse may not change significantly and you may still encounter fecal or, uh, you know, urinary incontinence, for you to feel the best you can is really important, really important. And we support you in that pursuit as a society and as a medical field, right? Oh, if only. I I don't know what you feel in the States, but I feel like we, we keep talking that it's coming. We keep saying that there's an, an inertia happening. We're creating raves. We've got the ripples coming. But just like you said, I was like, covering myself going, yes, I was that mom. I was going to bounce back. I was going to do all the things. Even just the thought of having to wait Mm -hmm. for that wave to come where women are truly supported financially, emotionally, physically. How long do we think it's going to be? Honestly, like I'm too impatient. Yeah, I don't know. It's too long, too long. It needs to be now. Um, (laughs) I don't, I don't know how to like 
push for things. I feel like, especially in the States, things move very slow. So in physical therapy school, you do internships. And actually, one of my internships was in Australia, outside of Sydney. Oh, wow. I know. It was at a private hospital. And so at this private hospital, every woman that had a baby had a PT that would come and check their muscles and teach them how to use them, make sure they were intact. And then there was a class that you had to go to before you were discharged from the hospital of how to pick up your baby, how to get on and off the floor without injuring your abdominal wall or your pelvic floor muscles. And I don't know if that's spread more, like if that's in public hospitals, um, but that is not in U.S. hospitals at all. Like that is, people are, every student I have, I'm like, if you want to do hospital care, like start this program, like that it needs to happen. There needs to be inertia from every direction. It's not going to work if it's just people who are patients. It's not going to work if it's just physical therapists. Like it has to come from everyone coming to an agreement of like, this, this is actually healthcare. This is actually life-saving, life-changing care um, yep. and not just something that, you know, we can do if, if we really want to make you feel good. You know, it's like not a luxury. This isn't a luxury. Right. And I feel mm. like it's treated as a luxury and it's actually essential functioning, you know? Yes. Um, sorry, I got too excited just then when you were talking because it, it, you're 100% right. It is a luxury item that is for the privileged women who can afford it or afford, like you said, the private health care insurance to have access to that, where in fact, if people were smart, and I'm actually going to send this episode to the right people, you know, the the people who were charged for caring for us, our politicians, right? Basically, that's where it kind of stops, doesn't it? If they could just see the logic between caring for women at that really vital time, prenatal and postnatal, the amount of money would be saved for the long term for the country because women could return to work in a way where they could go back to earning their income and pay the taxes. And this comes this beautiful circle around rather than like myself and many women in our community who cannot return to their career because their vaginal wall falls into their underpants every day. Yep. Very basic human movement, standing, walking, bending over, are not possible from nine to five in your normal work day, five days a week. And so I think try not to put the cart before the horse. We need to obviously educate them about this is happening. It's becoming and it's funny, do, do you um Sarah, do you ever hear someone say, oh, is it, why is it becoming more common or why is it trendy now? <laughs> yeah, it's a very dismissive way of being like, oh, this is just popular to talk about it, right? It's another, another one of those like, oh, women just talk about things now. Like, no, this is important. This has been happening for centuries and we're tired of it. And we're tired of the expectation that we're just supposed to live with this and be okay with it, right? Yeah, and that women just suffer in silence. Yes, I'm pretty sure my grandparents, my grandmothers lived in silence. They just suffered. And suffering is not the way to be when we are equal contributors to this society now. Yeah. Like, 
we've taken one little, little tiny step forward, but then ultimately we're still 10 steps behind. So there's a lot, obviously, in the political space that I'm pretty sure our listeners are not so keen to listen to, but I love having that, that conversation with you. Yeah. When I would love to kind of, and look, these episodes are shorter, so I feel like we could probably talk for hours and hours and you have so much valuable information. But just kind of to wrap things up, if you were a woman living with pelvic organ prolapse and potentially you couldn't have the privilege to see a physiotherapist for whatever reason, there could be a financial barrier, it could be a location barrier or availability even. I know some areas in Australia, they don't have a physiotherapist women's pelvic floor at all. They don't exist. What could those women be doing? right now before they can get in to see someone face-to-face? I think that is hard, mostly because a lot of times when you have pelvic organ prolapse and, and you try to use, like if you were say, oh, we all know that pelvic floor muscle strengthening is important. So just get on social media and follow those exercises. Mm-hmm. We also know that 30% of women who try to do pelvic floor muscle contractions perform them wrong, right? So they might be pushing instead of lifting. And I think that goes back to we weren't ever taught how to use our muscles, right? Like I was an adult married woman in a graduate educational system before I learned that there were pelvic floor muscles that you could close and open. And that was a, you know, that was because I was being tested on it, not because I, I was like, taught by my mom or my educational system. So I think the one, I think you've got to tell your doctor. And if you can get support from your primary care doctor, say, hey, I have some questions. Gynecologists, I know that a lot of physical therapists in my area have trained the gynecologists, even though they're not musculoskeletal experts. We've mm-hmm. taught them how to feel if the muscles are working, the levator ani muscles and the superficial muscles around the urethra. So yeah. most gynecologists can do, say like, hey, can you just do a screen to tell me if I'm using these muscles correctly? And you can do that at your next gynecology exam. And it, sometimes I know people go to their checkups and their gynecologists are just like, are you okay? And you're like, yeah, I'm good. And then you leave without even checking, like a visual or a palpation exam doesn't even happen. So I would ask for that. I would ask and say, hey, can you check these muscles? Can you check these tissues and make sure they're okay? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that would be the number one most important thing. And then two, I would get connected with a community um, like this one. I think this is so valuable and there are so many things that you can learn um, because you have so many resources that you share that can connect people to like, oh, that one that one's going to work for me. That sounds like what I have. Can that person help me a little bit more if they're waiting for a pelvic floor specialist, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That is so good. And, you know, when we started this, um, I want to say about four, four years ago, the community, it didn't feel like there was much out there. There were some really great ones. There was a a really big one, APOPs in the States, where I kind of really looked to. But then obviously, wanting to connect with other Australian women or people closer, which is why we kind of formed it here. But I love, love, love that more and more 
people are starting to build these communities because ultimately I would love for us to all band together and then take it to the, you know, the politicians and things of what what we need and how we need it and we can come up with solutions. I don't think we're presenting problems to people per se. We're like, this is the problem. Here's a solution that's going to work. Let's work this out, which is I'm really excited about. It's funny to say you're excited about something like prolapse, but (laughs) excited about seeing the change that we need to ensure that my little girl who is seven does not be blindsided like we were and is educated and understands and has the chance, just has the opportunity to not have to navigate this alone. I know prolapse is not, it doesn't discriminate. So, you know, some women still have it even without having children at all. There's a whole gamut of risk factors, which we've talked about, you know, on this show over the years. But I really feel like she, forewarned is forearmed. I love that saying. There's no big surprises. You can actually just have the ability to go in and say to your doctor, hey, this thing's going on. Come and check it rather than. I don't know what this is. Is it something? I'm unsure. I've got no confidence. So yes, I love that you said that to go in. And I would just love to add, if you don't mind, if your doctor dismisses you and says anything along the lines of it's not as bad, it's in your head, it's normal, go to another doctor. (laughs) Yes. Find another doctor. I agree. who, Who will listen to you, right? Yes, it's amazing. Would there be anything, Sarah, that you would like to impart as a final message for our listeners today? Um, so many things. <laughs> One, I just want to reflect on how like beautiful this is, right? So don't hold your pelvic floor problems close to your chest. I think what you're doing, being vulnerable and sharing your experience is not just like, oh, I'm trying to raise awareness, but you're setting a really good example for other people to have conversations around a dinner table or at coffee, you know, or tea. Yeah. I, I think we need to start telling each other about these things so that we can support each other so that we know we're not alone because it can be really lonely when you think, yeah. when you think that you're broke. Like, I think that's the most common complaint is that people come to my office and they say, I'm broken. And so slowly we try to like, I try to show them ways that they are, they can heal and ways that they are not broken. Like, yes, this is broken, but this is not. So how can we use this and grow this in a way that is life-giving and beautiful for you? We can find new ways. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, a, that's a journey in and of its own, right? <laughs> but we don't have to do it alone. And I think that's the most important thing that I would say is there is help for what you have, um, whether that's community, medical support, political advocacy, like it's all coming. So don't, don't stop. Don't, don't stop looking for answers. This is the perfect way to finish, especially in this healing season of season three. I can't thank you enough, Sarah. Oh, yes, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. We trust that today's episode has brought you the connection and support that you were looking for living with pelvic organ prolapse. And just on that level of connection, if you are someone right now who is pregnant, postpartum, or living with prolapse, I would really love for you to go and check out 
the Empowered Motherhood Program app because I know it's a total game changer for women living with prolapse as well as anyone who is currently pregnant or in postpartum who are really looking to have that safe physio-led exercise that they can just do at home. The Empowered Motherhood program also includes a week-by-week pelvic floor safe program for women with prolapse that combines that expert education, the emotional support that we need, and very specific pelvic floor exercises to help you build the strength to help you return to the type of exercise that you love and feel really informed about your own body so you know what is safe for you. So I think it was last episode when I interviewed Kimmy and Liz in episode 67, just afterwards, I actually reached out to them and I said, we've had such an amazing conversation. Do you think we could potentially support our Brave Mama community even further? They are offering 10% off the entire lifetime of your membership with the Empowered Motherhood Program app. All you need to do is use the code BRAVE10 to receive 10% off. I'm going to put a direct link in the show notes here so you can head over to their website and check it out. And until next week, bye for now. Chances are, if you can still hear my voice, you are a dedicated podcast listener. And I would like to bet that maybe one day you'd like to start your own podcast too. Today's episode was brought to us by our podcast partner at Podbean. They are home to over 600,000 podcasts and Podbean is your one-stop shop for everything that you need to start your own podcast. So whether you're in a studio just like me or you're on the go, the Podbean tools allow you to record, upload and promote your podcast in a matter of minutes. You can download the free Podbean app and get started today. And if you use the code BRAVEMUM30, You can also get your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. So why not give it a go? Mom.